0: Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an exploration of all things erotic. Every Thursday, your hosts, Dan and Dawn, share with you their experience and insights on kink, power exchange, and erotic life, as well as bring you interviews with exciting people from various lifestyles. Then every Monday, you'll hear from our various guest hosts. These nationally known educators bring a variety of experience to the mics and share with you an ever-increasing diverse world of alternative life. Erotic Awakening is intended for mature audiences. If you are offended by adult topics or prohibited by law, we recommend you stop listening right now.
1: I'm Jade Blevins, uh, LMFT, and this is Jasmine St. John, also an LMFT. We have practice in Madison, Wisconsin, and we are here today with Dan and Dawn and a chance to talk with them and Dan and Dawn have been presenting uh, for about 10 years, a little over 10 years around the country and I had the opportunity to see them at a conference recently and hear them talk about some of their experiences and we uh, want to just kind of think launch right into talking about that. Uh, Dan and Dawn, why don't you tell us a little about yourselves, your relationship and the topic we really want to talk about today is how you guys have integrated working with uh, past trauma. Uh, in a relationship.
2: Sure. So um obviously I'm Dan, this is Don. I'm Don. And uh, we've been in a uh, power exchange relationship for about 10 years now and very fortunate to be traveling around the nation doing presentations for uh, everything from kink to leather to BDSM to sacred sexuality to polyamory to alternative sexuality events um and enjoying that immensely mm-hmm. and um Just about everything we do is wrapped around that, so
0: (laughs) we started out um, designing this relationship actually, wow, um, we're getting old, so close to 13 years ago, Mm -hmm. so, and uh, like I said, we jumped into presenting soon after that when people saw we had a viable power exchange relationship that was actually working, and have done a lot of other stuff since then besides, uh, including running events and writing books and doing the podcast and anything else you can think of.
1: (laughs) Fantastic. So, the workshop I got to see you do uh, was about trauma and kink Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: um, can you talk a little bit about just the history for you guys, how that plays in your relationship and uh, Don, how you know, your experience with with, um, how you began dealing with trauma in your life?
0: Sure. Well, what you saw was actually the second version of that workshop. We tried the first version about six years ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. And um, the first version, I thought I was ready to do that workshop. And um, I told everybody no war stories. And someone shared a war story. And yeah, it didn't go too well for me after that. So <laughs> we put it on hold, redesigned it,
2: and after you some work. Can
0: explain what you mean by war story? Um, where people give intimate details
2: about, about, about abuse, about trauma,
0: right, and about their story and what happened to them. Um, I do okay when people are like superficial, uh, you know, superficial, just on that top layer. And but um, it's when they give the specific details that it kind of throws me back to to my story, and I get lost in my story. And yeah,
2: yeah. We started developing, and, and, and if you think about it this way, the the story starts for us some um, uh, about for Dawn about. 35 to 40 years ago when she was the abuse victim in mm-hmm. the situation she was in right and um and that lasted for quite some time and time goes by and then me and dawn begin our relationship and dawn begins continues along a healing path that i end up being involved in at this point and that's what really so we created the presentation because we looked over the over five years and we said all right what's worked for us so far what hasn't worked and then another five years and that's the point where you saw us of having the experience and looking back and saying you know here's the baggage we brought into the relationship here's what we did with it here's what worked here's what didn't work here's the external resources internal resources the interactions with each other so we don't present on theoretical things that you might be going through you know, we're presenting on here is the pain and suffering from a firsthand perspective and what we did about it. Um, so it's important when you present from an aspect like that, that you do it from a place of power and from a place of that you've already had some level of transitioning from a victim mentality to a survivor mentality.
0: Right. And I like to say that it's not I actually went beyond survivor and into thriver. So you know, I very much lived in the in the victim mentality for a while, and you know, like Dan alluded to, I'm I'm 45. My past abuse started a good 40 years ago, and uh, lasted for 12, 13, <laughs> 14 years. So most of my childhood, that is what my memories are wrapped around. So therefore, that's how I learned how to deal with life was as a victim or if you want to say, as someone that was very much into protecting myself, very detached from the world. And uh, Dan and I, I guess part of what, we've actually known each other for many, many, many years, and Dan didn't have a clue that um, I was keeping all that deep inside of me when he met me. And then I went to a workshop one time, about 13 years ago, I guess, I went to a workshop and uh, something in this workshop totally ripped down all my walls and Dan happened to be there. So I gave him... um, What it was that that broke down your walls? It was something called kinesiology. Oh, okay. And um, I tested her and kinesiology is like uh, um, reading a person's muscles. Mm -hmm. So they ask questions really fast and your body actually gives the answers to the questions. And I, I tested her And the question I asked her was, why do I hold on to my weight? And she was able to ask questions really, really fast and for about two minutes. And then she looked at me and she said, because you've been abused. This is what they did. This is how old you were. This is who it was. This is what you're going through. And pretty much dropped me to the floor. Wow. Yeah, yeah so that's how my healing path started
2: <laughs> i and had no so, choice
3: dan you were there and you sort of saw this
2: process yeah i i'm kind of a uh a fan of that self-help that self-realization self-actualization stuff from my own uh interesting past of um being a junkie and then being a recovering junkie i'm supposed to say recovering addict but being a uh so being involved in self-help and and bettering yourself, and, you know, so I would happen to go to these workshops just for, just because I thought they'd be interesting, I invited Dawn along, and uh, it was really interesting to watch all the walls get ripped away from her, and to see this, this person that I really didn't realize existed, a very fragile, uh, with all due respect to my honey, a very <laughs> broken person mm-hmm. that hadn't had the opportunity to deal with a lot of the trauma that she'd suffered through.
0: Yeah, because I I had hidden it behind very heavy walls, and like I said, he had known me for thirteen years before that, and had no clue. So, um, yeah. So that night in the parking lot outside of the workshop, I had to give somebody all my memories. I had to share all of that with somebody, or I wouldn't have made it home. Mm-hmm. So, so
1: what was your guys' relationship at that point? Were you in just friends? Friends, okay. Mm
0: -hmm. So, just friends. Like I said, we'd known each other since high school. And, uh, yeah, his, uh, well. uh.
2: (laughs) But, you know, at that point, we were moving more towards kindred spirits. Yes. Because Don um, had seen, at that point, I had already had a few years clean under my belt. And Don had seen that you can transform yourself. That you can take the mask of who you are. And, and convert yourself into a healthier, growing person. And that's why she's, our friendship at that point had already started to move towards a closer, like I said, kind of a kindred spirit. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: he had found serenity, and that's what I needed in my life. And, and I wanted to learn the tool, some of the tools that he had learned in getting clean so that I could bring serenity into my life. And it just happened to crash head on with that, with that workshop that I did.
1: So can you guys both talk a little bit about Don, what made it okay to go ahead and talk to Dan about this and Dan, what made you not say, Oh crap, I don't want this.
0: (laughs) You know, um, Dan is a very gentle soul. And, and I kind of knew that if I gave this to him, He wasn't going to judge me and I'd never trusted anybody with these memories before. As as a matter of fact, the marriage that I had been in, I was asked not to share that stuff because he couldn't handle the pain. And, um, I, I understood that, but that left me with nobody to talk to. Mm -hmm. So after this workshop, I needed to talk to someone. I mean, it it literally was the universe that had Dan there at that workshop because he was actually supposed to be somewhere else that got canceled and uh so I figured you know it it was it was it was that or bust I I had to dump all that stuff and you know I he's had experiences being a sponsor and stuff like that so I knew he had heard horrendous stories before and um I had to take my chances Mm -hmm. so and he did very well he was able to take I was actually scared I'm scared of sharing the war stories, the, the memories with people, because I don't want to trigger their stuff. Right. I don't want to trigger pity. Right. I don't want to trigger, you know, all, all of that type of stuff in them. But I was so messed up at that point, I had to take it on faith it was the right thing to do and hope I didn't hurt him in the process. So, do you remember
2: the parking lot? <laughs> yeah, I do remember the parking lot, yes.
1: So, what made that okay, Dan? I mean, what? I mean, you can imagine some people might look at that and go, "I don't want to deal with this. This Mm is I got my own stuff."
2: Yeah, you know, at that point, uh, I had already been not only clean for a couple of years, but in the recovery, active in the process of, as Don said, you know, you get into this, you're listening to other people unburden themselves, and you're practicing unburdening yourself on kind of a a semi-regular basis. So. Having other people share their pain or share the dark places that they've been in, you know, that uh, when they've hit the bottom uh, was not a foreign concept to me. And I've seen for myself, I've seen how positive it can be and I've seen it reflected positively for other people at that time. And I I still believe this. There's a a saying that's popular that, you know, the darkest secrets uh, die in the light of day. And that's been true in my life. And, and just and I've, and, you know, I've had other people come to me and say, oh, hey, Dan, you know, I, I just went through this horrible thing or I went through this horrible thing in the past. Um, and I remember for myself being able to share some of that horrible stuff that's happened with other people and um, them being willing to just hug me afterwards. While, you know, even if they didn't have the answers. And I knew I wouldn't have any answers for Dawn. Uh, but I knew how powerful it could be. I mean, she was at that point where we find ourselves, you know, you're at the, at the door or whatever, you're going to turn left or right to go, this is the path where I'm going to have to really work hard to bury this stuff back down. Or this is the path where I'm going to have to work really hard to work on this stuff and make it and not let it control me anymore. And, um, I don't recall there being a thought that, you know, there's, it was just somebody asking for help and I was there and it just, it it was just the right thing to do to help them. Um, it never struck me. It sounds like
3: that Don's vulnerability sort of evoked a
2: compassion within you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So let's, let's jump ahead a little bit. So you've moved ahead and you've decided even with all of this, you guys are going to enter into a power exchange relationship.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Talk about that and how that got set up, and how this got integrated in. What expectations were around it? Uh, I'm assuming there were expectations around how things would be dealt with and handled, and expectations of each other.
0: Mm, yeah, this was there was a lot of uh, fly by the seat of our pants on this. So because um, before, because well, we discovered power exchange at about the same time as all of this stuff happened. So it was, it was very much a bam, bam, bam. Yeah, go big or go home. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, Dan as, as my friend and the person that I had just shared all this stuff with was giving me tools. He took me to an NA meeting, even though I didn't need NA, I needed support. So you know, he took me to an NA meeting and I learned how to hug people, which I'd never done before. I learned how to hear people's inner demons and realize that I was no different than a lot of other people. And then I found the 12-step program, which worked for me at the time, which was SIA, mm-hmm. and, um, which is uh, Survivors of Incest Anonymous, for those that aren't aware of that one, and um you know, that was really hard work. You know, there's a lot of us in there that, that are really in bad shape when we, when we finally show up. And, um, the people that had, quote, recovered felt they were okay and didn't stick around. So it was hard to find people that had actually made it to the other side with, uh, with this type of trauma. And, uh, I guess the expectation was at first, before we even started talking Power Exchange, was just that I would keep working on myself. You know, Dan could not be my only resource. He could not be my only tool. He had things to help me, but he was very good at poking me and making me find resources and, you know, giving the, me the support I needed to go find those resources and use them.
2: Yeah, one of the things that for that we had to establish as we begin moving into a Power Exchange relationship is Don had to convince me that, the whole, the uh, abuse survivor, the triggers, the baggage that she's bringing into it can't be an excuse for us to not move forward. And for me to not be a hard, uh, you know, for me to not walk on eggshells, so to speak. You know, that to hold her accountable the same way I would hold anyone else accountable in a power exchange relationship and to lead that relationship. And, you know, that... Um, To keep pushing it forward. I mean, the worst thing you can do, and and this is just my opinion, for someone who's depressed is say, it's okay, just stay in bed. Mm. You know? Oh, I got in trouble for
0: going to bed one time.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I believe you does. You know, instead it's like, okay, I get it, you're depressed. And, And granted, now there's levels of clinical depression that are beyond simply a motivational speech in a crop. But there are sometimes where a motivational speech and a crop is just what somebody needs to give them that little bit of, just to bring up that little bit of courage in themselves to um, take that step and keep moving. I think. Absolutely. Yeah, I think we
1: think the crop is underused as a therapeutic tool. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, but Dan would, um, he would, he would push me towards the resources and I just had one
2: pop into my head and now I can't think of it. So it'll show up in a little bit. But, and part of that is the understanding that yes, I am a, a competent leader yeah. in a power exchange relationship. I'm a, and in the terminology, we'll use the terminology of master and slave or, or owner of property, whatever terminology you want to use, dom sub. Um, but I am not a competent therapist of abuse survivors right? I can give you a good foundation to make it safe for you to go find and work with your therapist, right? And we do at this point you know time's gone by, and we do offer a little more therapeutic type stuff, shall we say? but you know um, and you know if dawn hurts her back, I'm not going to try and whip out a, a massage table and adjust it. I'm going to say go see your chiropractor right and so there's a recognition of sometimes that all you need to do as the leader in a power exchange relationship is say submissive go make an appointment with uh-huh. this therapist or with this person or with this self-defense teacher and go learn those skills. And I know it's scary uh-huh. and I'm either going to hold your hand or I'm going to kick your ass out the door, whatever's appropriate, but to give you the motivation to do it. That when we went into the relationship, there's a clear understanding that I wasn't going to be the master of a victim. I was going to be the master of a survivor. And, Therefore, we're going to continue to keep focus on you moving from a space of being a, a victim to being a survivor, and that was easy to do because in Don's heart, that's what she wanted too. So it was very symbiotic from that perspective.
0: Absolutely, and I was gonna. I'm glad Dan mentioned it because one of the tricks that he does have, and and I finally realized it after many years that it's one of his tricks. Um, (laughs) is that I would become totally overwhelmed at the idea of finding a therapist or totally overwhelmed at the idea of doing this whole big, whatever it was. And his, his demand was that I make the appointment, that I go to one, you know, thing that I go to one, you know, and once I could cross that hurdle and make that phone call or cross that hurdle and meet that therapist, whether they were the right one for me or not, you know, that kind of took a lot of the fear away, but it, it became overwhelming, you know, at some point. But um, get that first step in the door and I was good. But the, uh, the one tool that, that was in my mind a little bit ago that I wanted to bring up was we also had to discuss what if some of my therapy actually got in the way of our power dynamic or our kink dynamic. Mm-hmm. And one of these was, quick story. We were at a munch and Dan was across the room. And one of the reasons I like leather and power exchange is because I know no one will touch me without permission. Mm -hmm. That was one of the big things that drew me into this community. And we happened to be at a munch and somebody touched me inappropriately on purpose. Mm. I froze. Dan was across the room. I couldn't get his attention. And I froze to protect myself, which was my old way of, you know, dealing with things. And um, Dan finally saw that, that I was different. And uh, he came over and sat beside me. And after we left, you know, I told him what happened. And I'm like, you know, I don't want to deal with being touched inappropriately like that again. I, I don't want to freeze anymore. So we found a somatic counselor, which is somebody that works on body reactions. Yeah. And we had to discuss this. I'm like, Dan, what if I work with the somatic counselor and then we go to play and... I, I hit back, <laughs> you know, or something like that. I don't want to lose my love for how we play because I'm also working on this. Nice. And um, we decided it was worth the risk. So, and it, it actually helped us a lot because anything that I needed to work out with that involved a male, I could do with my somatic counselor who was also an a keto instructor, Right. I mean, not put that energy on my master so it worked out really well
1: we want before we move on to a couple other topics the last part about this that i'd like to ask you is dan i remember you talking about when i saw you at the workshop about uh your role as supporting versus fixing which you've talked about in general but
2: mm-hmm.
1: you summed that up really nicely i think at the so if you can just talk about that a little bit more
2: yeah and, and as I was alluding to earlier, right, the, the the role in my in a power exchange relationship, in my perspective, and you know what we what we talk about in the workshop, what we teach, is not that you are the savior, right? And it's an unfortunate thing. A lot of times, uh, people that come into the into the lifestyle as a, uh, a lowercase type or a submissive or a slave, however they identify, are looking for a savior, looking for somebody to fix them. And it's simply not my job to fix anybody. I don't know that I'm, you know, um, it's got to come, it's, there's a level of it that has to come from within. There's a level of you that has to want it. There's a level of you that has to be willing to go do the work. I'm not the one that has to do the work. I just have to support you in doing the work. It's like I said earlier, sometimes you need to be hugged. Sometimes you need a soft place to cry. And sometimes you need somebody to grab you by the hair and say, go, go do this thing that needs to be done. <laughs> right. Um,
3: Absolutely.
2: And, you know, it's it's interesting and to, to recognize, to, to listen to yourself and to be rec- able to recognize when to do that, you know, one or the other, when the best value of compassion, the expression of compassion is, it's okay to stay home today or it's, you know, I appreciate that you're having a trigger. I acknowledge you're in pain. You've got a job to do. Go do it and you'll feel better for it it's fortunate as you continue to practice, you can move from the, a, I trust that master's leading me astray or leading me (laughs) properly after practice it becomes faith. Right. But again, you know, being that foundation and recognizing your own limitations, you know, there was a time where, uh, I had a person that was my mentor, my life mentor. And I brought to him this issue that I was going through. And he looked at me and said, I don't have a fucking clue how to help you with this why don't you go talk to that guy? And to me, that was, it was stunning and it was shattering, but it was beautiful because, you know, when, when Don goes through certain things, there's certain things I can't relate to that I can say, I don't know how to help you with this. Go talk to so-and-so or let's go talk to so-and-so together. Or, you know, let's, let's do some research. But to recognize my job is not, to, as you said, right, it's not my job to fix you. It's my job to build a foundation that you know it's safe to come home to. That whether you come back from a session with a therapist glowing and smiling and saying, oh, I found the key to unlock the dark closet or come back with red eyes and a snotty nose and saying I, I unlocked the closet and I didn't like what was in there. You know, either way. My job is to be that safe place that you come home to, recharge, and get back into the game.
1: Don, I'd imagine that creates a sense of empowerment for you.
2: Absolutely. That,
1: right? Yeah?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because um, it, it, it puts the healing, not that I like to hear it all the time, you know? I, I sometimes I want to give him the problem and say, please fix it, you know? <laughs> so to be kicked out the door and, and told to, to go use my tools, you know, so, sometimes that, that's that's a little painful and I don't want to do it. But the fact that I am doing it and have done it and can look back and see all the progress I've made, um, issues that happened today that would have happened 12 years ago, I respond totally different to and um so very empowering very empowering knowing I've got the you know the foundation built put the work into it got some you know have someone that supports me um you know it's just it's all good so Don I was curious, it sounds like that
3: you had mentioned two um, triggers that have ex- you've experienced that are the war stories still get at you and then obviously if people are not respecting your boundaries and touching you without permission, I'm curious as you were going through this this healing process and the two of you were together, how did you deal with triggers that came up potentially in play with the two of you?
0: we have had that happen before so yes um let's see well one of them what oh yeah one of them that we actually uh mentioned in um workshops is when um I had these fantasies of having naughty pictures taken I wanted Dan to take naughty pictures of me Mm -hmm. I had forgotten a piece of the story and and I don't forget a lot of things I just don't remember them daily, (laughs) you know, things that happened to me in the past. And I forgot that I had told him part of the story where taking my picture would probably be triggering and, uh, but we did it and, uh, I got triggered and the funny thing is, is that we actually have a safe word that we've built that's odd so that he knows if I get triggered on that level, that's what the safe word is about. Got it. But I got triggered so bad, I couldn't speak and went into fetal position sort of thing instead. So obviously he knew something was wrong, but he was already prepared for that. He had remembered the story. So a little bit of preparation for that. And, you know, he just kind of talked me through it and let me know I was safe. And that's pretty much all he's got to do is to let me know that I'm in the present and things like that. So that was a long time ago. I'm trying to think. I can only think of a couple things that would trigger me now. But...
2: The, and the challenging thing is, you know, to, to make a, the, the, it's okay to stop a scene. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's a big trigger from a traumatic experience or something smaller, it's okay for scenes to be stopped. You're going to be together a long time. If it was a good scene, you'll try that scene again. If that scene doesn't work, you try something else next time. That's the, you, know, you have to build that confidence level of recognizing that if whether we're out to dinner or we're in the middle of a, a two-hour play session and something happens that's triggering, it's okay to stop, take a deep breath or two or three, and maybe stop completely for the night, maybe reassess and keep going, um, but that there's no failure in stopping a scene. There's no failure in having a trigger happen. It's, it's okay. Mm-hmm. And, and to recognize, um, you know, to, to recognize if a war veteran comes back and they get all uh, panicky because somebody sets off fireworks, nobody looks down their nose at them, right? So right. For, for us to recognize, to make that same correlation with us, to say, you know, uh, no, where nobody's going to look down their nose at you, I'm not going to look down my nose at you. Because you get triggered during a scene, it's just not that big a deal, and I kind of if we do ten scenes in the maybe I expect one to include a triggering aspect. Maybe it's one in a hundred, maybe it's one in a thousand. but it's not a matter of um, it never happens. It's a matter of it's okay if it happens. We take some time and, like Don said, have some presence, have some breathing, and from a tool perspective. You know, we have some specific tools that we that we use, that we utilize, but it's all an acknowledgement that it's okay, let's be here, let's be now, and let's recognize the past as the as the past. Um, yeah. And-, and recognize I don't remember what your question was, so I'll just shut up. <laughs> I have a
1: question for you, Dan, about following up on that is what was your experience like of learning to pay attention for these and did you feel an extra sense of needing to be aware and how did that change over time
2: well the the nice thing is when you get involved in bdsm play and kink play there's you build as a top you build awareness anyway you're hyper connected at least in my opinion if you're skilled you're hyper connected to that person anyway you're reading their body signals you're reading their responses already right and it's clear it becomes clear the difference between a pleasurable or a ooh that hurts in a very good way or i am withdrawing within myself reaction it you know we i saw the withdrawing within myself reaction before we started playing so i know what that looks like mm-hmm. um and a lot of it is simply that the the things you're doing just aren't affecting the person anymore yeah. don talks about an out of body experience and it very much becomes that's for me, the key that I see when someone I'm playing with, it's not that they go into subspace where they become very connected to everything going on. Instead, they just, they take a hike completely. And it really doesn't matter what you're doing because they're not particularly responding to it one way or the other.
3: Mm -hmm. So Dan, I'm curious, how do you deal with the sort of emotional feelings of that you're potentially going to do things that could trigger dawn, and that you know going in that there is a potential risk. How do you deal with the emotions of "Oh my gosh, what kind of person am I that I want to do these things?" And there's risk of triggering
2: things. Oh, I've never thought of it that way before. <laughs> <laughs> have a breakdown now, or um, because I, because these things, these shadows are going to, if they're not brought out, they'll continue to subtly destroy the person, in my opinion. They're going to continue to be a problem. They'll continue to, you know, instead of being a triggered moment, there will be a subtle anger or a subtle depression that's prevalent in the relationship. You know, it's it's lancing the wound. It's peeling a scab. It's that idea that I would rather and the fact we both want this to work i want to be able to tie down up and flogger and do all kinds of naughty things that we fantasize about and 3 days later say you know what i i think like, that might have been triggering but it wasn't versus eggshelling around it and avoiding kinds of play that might cause triggers and there's some things we we kept away longer than others, and there's some kind of play that we've said, you know, that's just not appropriate for us. Yeah, it's triggering, but it's also not fun. It's also not interesting.
3: Well, that was the other thing I was going to ask both of you, is do you guys have boundaries that you specifically, there's certain sort of play or even shadow play itself, and that are just not something that you two are going to go to because you know that it's going to be triggering as opposed to moving forward and healing?
0: Yeah. Uh For us... um or, well, for me at least, which means for us, uh, we don't engage in age play. We don't engage in incest play. We don't engage in anything that could bring up that for me. I have other ways of dealing with that in therapy and, you know, of other different ways. My somatic counselor actually um, kind of agreed with this in a way in that not to give Dan that energy of my perpetrator. Mm -hmm. So, because once Dan, because, um, the, the, I don't want to use his name. Let's call him P, um, P, Dan came in to watch what P was, uh, training me with, you know, and teaching me with, and P would trigger me on purpose and then show me how to come out of it so that I could learn what a trigger felt like and then learn how to ground myself enough to come out of it so that it wouldn't take days, you know, with, with me being triggered. And Dan was like, oh, great. That's a neat trick. I think I'll do that with her. And P was like, absolutely not. Let me have that energy. That's the contracted relationship I have with Dawn. Mm -hmm. And you, Dan, be her support and her guide. And don't take on that perpetrator energy. Because once you take that on, you may not be able to shed it. And it could damage your relationship. And we, we took that to heart. And so I just have... I mean, literally, I have no interest in doing, you know, that type of play. I, I think, no, nope. I was getting ready to say, I can't even think of, of that it would be beneficial in a therapeutic way.
2: And, we've, and certainly we know people that uh, have taken a different approach mm-hmm. to healing and said, well, by reliving that experience, I've regained power because I can, and blah, blah, blah. Not telling you right, wrong, good, bad. If it works for you, wonderful. I don't know that we would, if there was no baggage and if there is, there's never a spot of being totally healed. But if we ever had that rubber stamp of you are sane, it still wouldn't be just for us. It's not an appealing style of play, age play, that sort of thing. So it's important to be able to be around it without being triggered because. I had to work on that. <laughs> you, you never, if you go to a convention, you don't control who gets to walk in the door and exactly you know, there may be somebody dressed up as a horsey and there may be somebody dressed up in a diaper or there may just be a leather dominatrix. You have no control over that part. So being able to be around whatever anybody else is into without it causing you to have an uncontrolled reaction is important. So we did work on that part mm-hmm. and I'm, and, you know, we we've discussed, there are some, there is some play that we've decided we're not doing yet uh-huh. that is that deeper shadow stuff. We've done some of that stuff, but some stuff, one that we often talk about is the inter- interrogation scene. Uh-huh. And that's one where I haven't done that with Dawn yet because I do know all of her secrets. <laughs> you know, and do I want... So it's something that we just have it. I think it's on the far horizon. It's not time yet, right? And and you got to be careful how... you. For us, it's important that we let things come when they're supposed to come, not because we feel like, "Oh, we're we we're, we we're, we're teaching about this stuff, so we should be healthy enough to be able to engage in so and so thing." Um, it seems to, it needs to be a little bit more natural, I think.
1: Do you, Don? Do you play with other partners? I do. How do you deal with triggers with other partners?
2: I'm usually
0: very upfront with them. I've done enough work at this point to, like Dan said, you know, I can be around other people that engage in some some kinks that that could trigger me. But when I play with other people, I actually ask them not to use certain words. So I'll tell them that I'm not into age play. I'm not into incest play. And please don't use the phrase little girl. You can call me girl, but don't call me little girl because it's kind of, Hard to say. Oh, you've been a good lady, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know. So, girl is okay. I've I've gotten good. It, it's when they put you know when that when the the visual becomes different. That's when I can't handle it. So, and I just let them know that up front. And I actually kind of hate doing that because it, it it an organic scene now becomes slightly not organic. You know, because I put those limitations on it, but. I've got other limitations as well. I've got some hard limits, you know, with guns and <laughs> things yes. like that, you know.
3: Right, and so, that's the whole point of doing those negotiations of being able to have a pleasurable experience for everyone involved.
0: Right, right. So, it's, so far, it seems to work. So far, you know, people have been okay with that. There's so many other things that can be done and played with that... done and played with. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha.
1: Um, you guys have actually talked a lot around this but i'll talk about it specifically is kind of the stigma that is associated with trauma and kink that you know people are going to harm themselves by engaging in kinky play and bdsm if they have past trauma and that it's going to hinder their healing process more thoughts on that or do you get that reaction from people and how did you guys you talked a little bit about how you decided to deal with that but
0: yeah well actually i got a, a couple little short stories here um One was that um, I actually really, 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 really was concerned that I got into kink because of my traumatic past. And I so didn't want that to be the case because I so found kink erotic, you know, and it actually took me a long time to find somebody I trusted enough to engage in it with. And, you know, I thought about it and thought about it and had some talks with people and, and finally, you know, got got pretty settled, settled with that, that that. I didn't believe there was a connection, but then the part that's healing for me is the fact that I ended up in a power exchange relationship where I can totally trust the other person. Everything is consensual. The energy of what happened to me in the past compared to the energy of what is going on now is completely different. I literally put my life in his hands and know that he I, he won't harm me
3: uh-huh.
0: so that is very empowering, very healing um it can also be very damaging if you're with the wrong person and you give them that total trust and and they do something that's not trustworthy anymore you know and, so
2: and that's the challenge right and because it is it's it's still life as Dawn was alluding to, right we start off by doing some. We did some statistical d- discovery to determine if the number of people in the lifestyle, the kink lifestyle, were if there's a higher percentage of abuse victims than in day-to-day life and other. And it's not; it's the same. But because it's the same, it means that there are people that are victims of abuse of some sort in the lifestyle, and there's many people that are not. Um, the challenge becomes when. One of the challenges, I'll say, becomes when people feel like they are qualified to help people um, via scenes when they're actually not Scene, You know, like if if your idea of helping somebody getting through trauma does not include that you're still deeply engaged with them six months later, then you may want to take a different approach, i.e. not do that, Uh, because there's no single scene No shadow play that says, oh, you've revealed my shadows. Thank you. Now I'm totally healed, right, in my opinion. Um, So when I engage with people, when I play with people, if it's something that's going to be digging in the dirt, it's with the recognition that this is not a scene. This is a longer-term commitment that may include a variety of scenes, you know, as we take that path. And we've done this a few times with people where we've, and it's you create actual for me you create relationships with them whether it's a relationships obviously come in different flavors but you know um the survivors are the ones doing all the work anyway allowing them to be allowing themselves to trust other people um allowing themselves to be have those shadows nearby, and not, and as Don said, to trust that it's not something that's going to be uh, used against them. I know so you guys are looking at your notes right now. One of the things
3: that I was really curious about is something that you guys would recommend for people that are brand new and either discussing this or looking for um, therapeutic ways to be able to deal with their partner. Anything that, if people are brand new to this, that absolutely you guys would say, this is the realm of the things that you should be looking at if you're going to start.
0: If if you're meaning starting a a power exchange relationship or a kink relationship, knowing that you're bringing baggage into it. Absolutely. um, One of the best things that worked for me was, uh for one, building a toolkit with a lot of different things in it that works for you. But I found a therapist. She was... um Actually, I went off the beaten path. I had tried a couple of uh, a regular therapist, and that just didn't work for me because I couldn't be totally honest with everything that I was interested in or didn't feel like I could. But I found a shamanic counselor that <clears throat> went about things a slightly different way. And when Dan collared me, I had not told her I was in a power exchange relationship yet, but when Dan collared me, she noticed the day collar, which is a chain with a heart on it. And she was aware enough about, she, she was alternative, but what mostly worked with same sex couples and stuff, but you know, it was very much in the alternative world. And she recognized it before I ever told her. So,
1: alternative I, world she, in every sense. I take
0: Yeah. It. Yeah. So she, um, yeah, spiritual, yeah, everything. And, So I was really lucky to find her. I I know the universe put her in my path. And she wanted to meet Dan. She wanted to make sure that, you know, I wasn't being taken advantage of. And Dan came in and had a talk with her. And I ended up seeing her off and on for about 10 years. So I highly recommend trying to find someone that you can be totally honest with. Because I can't talk about my past baggage and talk about my present without talking about my power exchange relationship it doesn't need to be in your face but i i need it to be recognized that that's part of what i'm working with on a day-to-day basis
2: and then one of the tools that i'm going to recommend is something you create between each other is create a contract between mm-hmm. each other you know and by contract a written and i do mean written statements of intents you know we're going to engage in a power exchange relationship here's the boundaries of that relationship here's what that relationship entails here's what we do when it gets funky Mm -hmm. right you know you've got to convince me that this truly is that you are you want to get through this you want to be pushed you want to you uh, you acknowledge maybe you don't want to but you acknowledge that there's going to be a lot of pain as a result of a healing path that includes a power exchange relationship and you want me to keep pushing you along the path and for me, having that that time where we're both in a good space and we've made that statement of intent, and this is the direction we're going to make, was very powerful. As things did get wonky and things started to get hard, and and there's that that moments in time where I look in the mirror and go, Jesus Christ, Dan, how can you cause someone so much pain? Maybe we should just get her some good drugs, and you know, so that we don't have to go through maybe you know maybe and maybe, 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 right? Mm -hmm. To be able to look back at that statement of intent that we made while we were sitting in in our seat of power, while we were sitting in that empowered place and saying, I recognize the road's going to be rough. Here's my job. Here's your job. Let's go do it. So that when, when I get to those spots where I'm finding my own reserves of strength to be in question, that I can look back at that and say, you know here's the path we've charted right the the other tool that comes to mind is you're allowed to take care if you're you you're not necessarily the survivor of abuse you're the other half of the relationship it's okay for you to need a day off too it's okay for you to cry it's okay for you to be weak on occasion cuz it's a it's a bear to be in that relationship you know and you're not supposed to be strong every single day. You're allowed to be a bitch once in a while, as I clearly was. <laughs> you know, I One of the things I built into is one day a week is Dan Day, where Dan's not going to worry about you and the relationship other than finding, make sure, okay, you're going to be here doing this? Good. I'll be gone. I'm going to go play video games by myself. Or I'm going to go hang out with the boys and talk about skirts or whatever <laughs> boys talk about, right? <laughs> um, so that contract and then building in – that way to recharge yourself
0: mm-hmm. so, and I was actually, um, it's gonna sound weird, but when he took those days off, I knew I could still call him if I absolutely, absolutely, absolutely needed to, but I liked the fact that he could take care of himself because, um this is this can be a lot of baggage to bring into a relationship. So not only am I bringing in my memories, my triggers, my baggage, you know, The the stuff that my ex-husband told me not to talk about. I'm bringing all that in. I'm also bringing in my shame and my guilt. My shame and, you know, my guilt for putting this in his lap. My shame for even having to deal with this whole situation. You know, All, all of that is incorporated too. So I needed to know that he could take care of himself. I didn't want him walking on eggshells. I wanted him pushing me, and the contract really, really helped with that because it stated in black and white that this is where he wanted to be, and these are the tools that we can use. We um, wrote in porch time as a communication method. We even talked about that. We we created this contract on good days so that on bad days we could refer back to it and go, that's why we're doing this.
1: Show. A couple other tools I remember you talking about in the workshop were some of the journals. Yeah, there were some different journals
2: that you kept. Mm-hmm. One of them, the uh, there's one journal that uh, is kind of common in the in the power exchange world is the idea of a slave journal, where Dawn has to continual keep a journal of how she's doing. You know, from a power exchange perspective, is she doing what I told her to do? How does she feel about the way that she's serving me? And it's the journal that I can pick up at any time and leaf through it and say, oh, I see that you da 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 da, da whatever, right? But the other journal that we recommend is, is the personal, the private journal. Do we have a better name for it than that?
0: No, ah. we had the magic journal and the private journal. We'll call it
2: the private journal then, where she has a journal that she has to keep that I'm never allowed to look at, that it is forbidden for me to look at. So if she wants to write you know, Master's been a big asshole today and he's pushed me to do things I don't want to do and he doesn't understand, blah, 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 then she can write that out. And it's very important to continue to do that, The continual stream of acknowledgement. Here's where I am. Here's what I've been doing. Here's what I've tried. Here's what's worked. And here's what's not worked.
0: Yeah, that's the journal that, that I liked a lot was the, the I'll, I'll call it a magical journal because it the, the world of magic. It's, it's what we use. but uh, And it literally is. Here's the tool I tried today when this was going on. Did it work? Did it not work? Okay, well, it did work, so I'll make sure to try it again. You know, it didn't work, so I'm going to try this next time. Okay, well, now we're on this step, and it's time to work with the somatic counselor. Now it's time to, you know. So it was very much logging the stuff that worked for me because it changes as you
2: grow. And that working journal is a fantastic way to acknowledge even, you know, and, you know, there's if if what you did if you said well you know today i was triggered because i ran into person x and i stopped and i screamed and i punched a puppy and that didn't make me feel better that's important to write in there so that you acknowledge i've i was triggered i tried something here's the result um, we don't really punch puppies. That was kind of a joke. So. <laughs> oh, I was kind of wondering if that's test. something that's you recommend friends, a lot.
1: Or. All right. I think uh, you guys have done a great job of hitting most of the topics we want to talk about. So I think we'll just kind of wrap up with one last question and just um, any last advice you would give to anyone who's dealing with this and dealing with past trauma, whether they're in or out or. Out of kink or power exchange relationships, what would you, words would you guys have for them?
0: It's hard, but for me, the first thing that popped into my head when you asked that was to shine a light on it. If you let it continue to be a shadow, it'll stay in your subconscious and it will rule your life. How you react to life will be ruled by past past whatever. So if you shine the light on it, at least you become aware of why you are reacting the way you're reacting, and then you can do things to, to break those patterns.
2: Yeah, I, and really, I, I think my thought was the same. It's a matter of, um, you know, you, you'd asked how, you know, what do you recommend to people that are dealing with da-da-da-da, and my recommendation is that you do deal with it. Yeah, build yourself the safest thing you can. If you have a, a partner, if you have a contract, if you build some tools, if you have a good counselor, all that's great. Surround yourself with those things if you can, but it starts off with that first step of saying, I have to deal with this. It's that step of recognizing whether it's past trauma or uh, substance abuse or whatever, that recognition of this thing, this event, this past has poisoned me and it is continually, it will continue to poison me until I deal with it. And you, you get to that point where you have to acknowledge you just you're ti- sick and tired of being sick and tired. And Dawn could have never dealt with this stuff if she didn't want to uh, in, a, in a, a growth perspective, uh, but she would have stayed a angry, scared human being the rest of her life and never would have gotten the opportunity to live her life. You know so there's got to be a point where you 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 stand up and you say, it's time for me to claim my life back. Regardless of anything that's happened to me, I have to take some steps to claim my life back.
3: We just wanted to thank you guys so much. We know that this is a hard topic and also something that, you know, doesn't, necessarily get a lot of attention in the community in a direct way. And so for you two to be so honest and so forthcoming about the experiences that both of you have had and the way you come from what Jay and I consider to be a very strength-based positive approach is just Absolutely wonderful, and we really appreciate that you've been able to share the stories that you have and the toolkits that you have because I think it's essential that people that are going through this process have at least one other voice, somebody out there so that they don't feel alone, so that they can move forward, and we just really wanted to thank you for your time today.
2: Well, thank you. Thank very, you. very kind of you. Uh, I very much appreciate it.
1: Thanks. Thanks very much.